Let's give Jesus a wonderful praise offering. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. What a joy it is to see you in the house of the Lord, and it's always a blessing to be where God's people are. God has been good to us, hasn't he? He has shown himself great and greatly to be praised, and we certainly honor the presence of the Lord here and all of you that have come, all of our guests, those that are watching by live stream. We're just so delighted to be with you every time that we have an opportunity to share with our Bridgeway family. Just smile at someone and tell them something good is going to happen to you. Go ahead and tell them that something good is going to happen to you. <laughs> Praise God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you. Thank you for your beloved and my dear ones that have gathered here. We're so thankful. We're so appreciative that you've given us a day that we've not seen before, that we can praise you and bless your name, grow together in fellowship, study your word, and, Father, draw closer to you. We give you praise. Thank you for deliverance and wholeness that takes place in this room even now. Healing, breakthrough. Thank you, Lord, for transforming our lives, that we would be the men and the women that you've called us to be. We give you glory. We give you praise. Help your servant to teach in such a way that even a child will be able to embrace the powerful truth of Scripture and the revelation that sets us free. In Jesus' name, all God's people shout amen. amen. Praise God. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 21. We're continuing a series on being Jesus. Being Jesus, part 71. And uh, it is my assignment today to take us further in this teaching that Pastor Lance and the team here have been sharing. And I want to look at particularly two parables today that I believe speak to our heart in regards to the day that we're living in. We're living in some interesting times, we're living in a day and age where I believe with all of my heart we're seeing the approaching of the Lord's coming. I believe if there was ever a time for us to be encouraged in the things of God, it is right now. There are some things that are indeed happening that we're watching, we're observing, things that are changing, things that have shifted. But how do you know Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? He does not change. He does not change. And so regardless of what shifts around us, notice I said whatever shifts around us, tell your neighbor, shift happens. Make sure you say it right. <laughs> shift happens. But regardless of the shifting around you, make sure that your anchor holds and grips the solid rock of Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock we stand all of the ground. is sinking sand. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock we stand all of the ground. Indeed is sinking sand. We're going to see something that Jesus uses a parable to speak to the hearts of the people that are open and receptive to believing in him and believing in the message that he brings for the kingdom of God. 
Jesus often would use parables. It comes from the word parabole, which means to cast alongside an illustration that is cast alongside a truth in order for there to be revelation. Parabole, to parallel, to take a illustration, a story, and throw it alongside that which is truth. The foundation of it is truth. But in order for there to be understanding, let me give the illustration so that revelation may come. Not merely information, but inspiration. So that there is revelation. You see? So he uses parables. And interesting enough, he used parables and generally he was speaking to an audience of all different types of people all diversity of people. And the parable was designed so that those who would hear the Spirit of God, those who would hear and acknowledge truth, would be able to receive the information. Others who would hear the same message, the same parable, would scratch their heads and say, that was a nice story. Appreciate you sharing that. Don't know quite who you're talking about, but that was a nice story. You ever talk to someone and there's an inside joke and you're, you're telling the joke and those who really get it are laughing and everyone else is in the room thinking, you are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They're looking at you like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But Jesus used the ability to share truth in a way that even the most simple of people would be able to grasp it. And out of that, great revelation was not based upon their level of education, was not based in the context of their culture, was not based upon their status in society. If they were open for revelation and truth, they could receive what was being said. There were others who were of a high echelon of thinking, those who had studied great books and so forth. They would hear the same message, and again, they would be sitting in a sense of a stupor not being able to grasp the depth, the revelation. Watch what Jesus says here in Matthew 21 in this first parable, beginning at verse 28. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. Everyone say today. And he answered, this is the son, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and he went. He initially says, I will not do it. I will not go. Now, this is the father speaking to his son, asking his son to do something. Now, in the background in which I was raised, uh, this was unacceptable. (laughs) You understand? You could come up with something missing. If you responded like this, you see. So he says, he says, I will not, but he changes his mind. it's, it's, It's a thought here that he changes his mind, he changes his heart, or what is often thought within our context of speaking many times in church, it's the word that many of you would be familiar with. It's the word repentance. It means to change one's mind change one's direction, to change one's heart. And as a result of that, the behavior is changed 
And as a result of the behavior being changed, there is an outcome that is different. He says here in the text, Jesus says, he says this to the son and he changed his mind and he went. He went where? He went into the vineyard. And note here, he went to the other son. This man, the father, goes to the other son and he said to him the same. What did he tell him? Go into the vineyard and work today. And notice that this second son, he answered, I go, sir. Notice, but he did not. I go, sir. I'm on my way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he does not follow through. He does not do it. Which of the two, Jesus asked, did the will of the Father? And those who were listening said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, note here, the the lowest of the low, those who within cultural uh, society are considered to be the outcasts, the lowest of the low, notice they believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward, watch this, change your mind and believe. Even after you saw the manifestation, even though you saw the revelation, even though you saw that which God was presenting to you at that time, you willingly decided after saying, I will follow you willingly decided not to follow through, not to do it. Man, what an indictment. What an indictment. We're going to find out in a moment here that the audience that is receiving this is full of the religious folks who are sitting here listening to this. And all the time that he's teaching, they're probably nodding their heads and saying, Amen, Amen. Preach, preach, preach. That's it. Go ahead. Go ahead. But when he gets to this point, you can't hear a cricket. It's silent. Watch this. Jesus continues until a second parable. Same thought. Same idea. He's not changing thoughts here. Same audience. And, and note what he says. Hear another parable. It's like Jesus is saying, uh, if you didn't get the first one, catch this one. Catch this one. Catch this one. Here's another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants. They were not the owners, they were the tenants. And the owner went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. Note here, it's his fruit. It's his land, his fruit. And the tenants, not the owners, the tenants took his servants, took the owner's servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Tap somebody next to you and say, that sounds like tenants from the hood. Go ahead and tell them, that sounds like tenants from the hood. I mean, these are thug tenants. 
They beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Notice here, the owner, in verse 36, sent other servants more than the first, and they did the same to them. They beat them, stoned them, and killed some of them. Finally, finally, he sent his own son to them, saying, They will respect my son. They would not respect my servants. When the servants came and spoke on my behalf, listen, this is what he's saying. When the servants came and spoke upon my behalf, they killed them, they stoned them, and beat them. Literally, they killed the messenger. They beat the messenger. They stoned the messenger. Because they rejected what was being presented by the owner of the vineyard. Sound like these tenants thought, I own this. It's mine. It's, in other words, I do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, with whom I want to do it, to whom I want to do it. It's mine. Totally forgetting that the earth is the Lord in the fullness thereof. And all that dwell within it. It all belongs to him. I know you say, we say, my house, my car, my job. It ain't your house. It ain't your car. It ain't even your family. It's his family. His house. His car. In fact, here's a newsflash. You belong to him. You're not even your own. We are bought with a price. We belong to God. Can you say that? I belong to God. Come on and sing. I belong to God. I don't belong to myself. You know, we say, we often say, be your own man or be your own woman. No, ma'am. No, sir. No, 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 no. Pave and carve out your own course of destiny. No, ma'am. No, sir. Our steps are ordered of the Lord. We belong to him. In him, we live, we move, and have our being. God speaks and we live. God speaks and we stop existing. We stop being. He is the God of heaven, the God of earth, the God beneath the earth. Everything belongs to him. He is the Lord of all. He is the Lord. Y'all sound quiet on that. Do y'all believe that or not? Sound like somebody was trying to hold on to something. No, no, no. It all belongs to him, beloved. Go back to the text. Notice here. Surely they will respect my son. Verse 38. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. Did you catch this? This is some arrogant folks. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, hear the word of the Lord. When the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do? To these occupants, to these individuals, the tenants. And notice here, the people who are listening to him, they're responding. But notice here, they're not responding really in the full context or understanding of how he's making the connection to them. They're responding. But God is getting ready, Jesus is getting ready to flip the script. Jesus is going to ask them the question. 
they're going to respond with an answer, and then they're going to catch themselves and say, wait a minute, you're talking about me. <laughs> See, watch what happens. What will be done? And they said to him, he, the owner, will put these wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard or lease it out to other tenants who will give him the fruits of their seasons. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scripture the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus makes a statement here that those who will believe upon him, they'll get it immediately. But those who are just listening to the story and answering out of their own thinking, out of their own reasoning, they will miss the total concept of what he is saying here. He says, Jesus says, yes, this is the Lord's doing even to the point that the Father sent his Son. And his Son was rejected by those who were the tenants of the vineyard. And the Son was killed by the the, the tenants of of the vineyard. Despite that, he says, it's still God at work. It's the Lord's doing. What seems like the victory of that which is evil is actually a setup of God to show himself mighty. Some of you have experienced that in your life. What the enemy, some say the devil, I call him the ugly one. What the ugly one meant for evil, God is able to turn it for our good. God is able to take things that seem like there is no hope, there is no answer. Once God gets a hold of it, we can look back. And even when we're going through it, we might sit and we might wring our hands and we might sit in frustration. But when you look back and lean back, all of a sudden you say, you know what? God was in it all the time. It's the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Let me stop for just a moment and pause because I just sense a connection in the Spirit of God in this room with someone that's going through something even now, that it seems like your back is against the wall. It seems like this is the most frustrating time for you, and it seems like there will be no hope and no answer in the situation that you're facing right now. Might I encourage you today, God is at work. I'm going to tell you like my mother used to tell people when she was living here on the earth before going to heaven. She said, go wash your face. Go wash your face and come out of the bathroom a different way because when God gets through with you, you will come forth as the image and the person and the character and the nature that God has designed you to be. No matter what you have to go through right now, it is not to be compared to the joy that shall be revealed in your life. Come on and give God a high praise and bless him there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, tell somebody, fix your face, fix your face. Come on, tell them, fix your face. Fix your face. Despite what you're facing, this is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in this day because God is up to something. I told you something good is going to happen for you this very day, today, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Notice here, Jesus tells them here in verse 43, Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God, will be taken away from you and given to a people who are going to do something. Those who are producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. 
And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived, light bulb went off. (laughs) They perceived, he's talking about us. (laughs) And although they were seeking to arrest him, to shut him down, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet of God. This same text is given to us in Mark 12, verses 1 through 12, and also in Luke 20, verses 9 through 19. The same parable is repeated, just from a different perspective. The same parable is given to us on your fill-in, on your handout sheet that you receive. Write this in, if you will, your fill-out. Put out there, don't help the devil do his job. Don't help the ugly one. Do his job. There is so much that is going on in the earth today, in our nation today, that would speak to our hearts without hesitation that the believer, those who would seek truth and seek answers in Christ, that we are not to be discouraged. We're not to posture ourselves in a place of frustration. In the last two weeks, we have seen more happen in our nation than one could have ever imagined. One could have never imagined the things that we are facing. Even on this week, we saw where the highest court of our land has now redefined what they believe marriage to be. And I will tell you without any hesitation, won't back down from it. Don't have to agree with me, but I won't back down from it. The reality of God's word is clear. That marriage is between a man and a woman. You understand? Won't back down from it. Don't have to agree with me on that. That's okay. It's okay, you don't have to agree with me on it. But the reality is, beloved, is that I grew up from an old school thinking. And sometimes some old school is good school. A lot of folks, when we say old school, folks get all bent out of shape. That's old school, yeah. Some old school is good school. But I came from a background of old saints, old church mothers who would hold a Bible up and say, The Bible is right and somebody's wrong. We need more people that would think that way. There's a whole lot of things this word corrects me on. It's correcting me on some things right now. There's some, listen, when I come into the house of the Lord, when I come to church, I don't necessarily come to hear what's going to make me feel good and affirm what I think or what I believe. I need something that's going to check me. I need something that's going to make me scratch. I need something that's going to make me turn around and shift in my seat, fold my arms, cross my legs, roll my, like some of y'all doing right now. What time would he be through? (laughs) I need the word of God. That's going to transform my life. It's going to help me. Because I don't know it all. I don't have all of the answers. But God's word is so true. This week, 11 days ago, we saw in Charleston, South Carolina, 
people going to, nine people, a pastor and eight of his parishioners, actually 12 of his parishioners, going into a Bible study to study the Word of God, to pray. Unlike, uh, uh, like, or rather, like many congregations, like many churches, the part that I've been a part of, on Wednesday night, it was the thing to do. We went to Bible study and we went to prayer meeting. And these individuals went into a room with the sole purpose of learning Mark chapter 4. The parable of the seed and the sower. And they invite and welcome a man into their presence. A young man. A young kid just about. Into their presence to come and study with them. Later he would recount they were some friendly people. They were some good people. That was the things that he, that he would say he would recount in his so-called alleged confession. But what is saddening about that? What is saddening about that is to see that this church, what is uh, referred to in a reverent way, the Mother Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. Many of you had never heard that term before. African Methodist Episcopal Church. Some of you would have thought, what are they? Are they African? Are they Methodist? Are they Episcopal? (laughs) The AME Church is the oldest African-American Christian denomination. It was founded by a man by the name of Bishop Richard Allen. And it came as a result of he and a group of people going into a, a, a church service in Philadelphia and going to the front after sitting in the back, responding to the word of God that was being shared. And they came to the front to pray at the altar and they were told that they could not do that because of the color of their skin. That they had to step back. And instead of them stepping back, they stepped up and went and founded the AME church where they could worship God and study the word freely and openly. That was their heart. The African Methodist Episcopal Church in Sacramento, just down the freeway, you can go to St. Andrew's African Methodist Episcopal Church. It's pastored by a friend of mine, Dr. Hicks. It is the oldest, whereas Emmanuel in Charleston was the oldest AME church in the South. The one that is downtown, just up the freeway from you, is the oldest AME church this side of the Mississippi. It is the first African-American congregation in the city of Sacramento. The very first one. Right there in downtown Sacramento. Right there. So this, this thing that happened 11 days ago, beloved, it... I I don't know if the young man fully understood what was going down in his taking the lives of those nine individuals. I don't know if he really grasped it, and he possibly did, because it was very strategic that it would be that church. Very strategic. But I don't think he fully realized the impact of what he was doing. And the impact of the lives it would play and destroy the lives of families and people. I don't think he really put it into his mind. He thought, he said, I'm going to start a race war. 
And the very opposite of what he attempted to do is what now you've got people all the last 11 days, white men, black men, red men, yellow women, all these folks holding hands together, blessing God, loving God and loving one another. Some way, somehow, God takes ugly stuff and flips it so that there's some redemptive value in it. But in all these things that are happening, hear my heart, in all these things that are happening, it is imperative that you and I not be individuals who give up and sit back And like the second son, we started out by saying, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. But now that things are heating up, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a little apathetic. Maybe I'll just be one of those saints who will just wait till Jesus comes and we'll just all go to heaven. No, there's some people that God has called you to reach and to love and to care for. And hear my heart. Hear my heart on this. And not... From the standpoint of religion. Not from the standpoint of human reasoning. Not from the standpoint of what I think about it. But from a standpoint of having, watch me, personal, intimate relationship with a living and a loving and a powerful and a just God. I tell people, don't call me religious. I'm not religious. At Shiloh Baptist Church in Oak Park, California, where I was raised as a child from a baby on up, we used to sing a song, Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. And we had a course here. It was good enough for my mama. It was good enough for my daddy. It was good enough. We go down the whole family line. It was good enough for the dog. You understand what I'm saying? Give me that all-time religion. I'm not religious. I have relationship with Jesus Christ. See, when it all boils down to, beloved, is regardless of all the ideologies and all the philosophies and all of the constructs and all of the things that we think and we feel and we hope and we desire, it all boils down to, is Jesus who he said he is? That's what it boils down to. Jesus didn't come just to be a good teacher and just be a good prophet and just be someone who just kind of walks amongst us and moves at our whim. Jesus came to show us the Father and to transform, hear me, to transform our lives, to change us. He is the God who changes life. You're looking at somebody... He transformed my life. He changed my life. Let me go a step further. You're looking at somebody. He is transforming my life. He's changing my life. Let me go a step further. You're looking at someone that if I live long enough, he'll change my life some more. He'll transform my life some more. Make me who he's called me to be. I don't want to be the tenant. I don't want to be the tenant that thinks I own the vineyard and I reject the things of revelation, the things of truth. Write these things down as we close. Number one, here are some points to consider. God is presenting himself right now in some most powerful ways. 
I don't know if you heard the president when he did the funeral for Pastor Pinckney, the pastor of the church in Charleston. He made a powerful statement, and it was a true statement, very true statement. Regardless of what your political beliefs are, we set all those things aside for now. That's not what we're talking about, whether you care and like the president or not. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the fact that he was standing there, and as he opened his mouth, he said these words, Our God works in mysterious ways. I'm not sure if the president even got the full gravity of what he was saying. Then he broke out, I don't know if you saw it, he broke out and started singing Amazing Grace. I don't even think he got the full gravity of what he was doing even in with that. Because you see, beloved, here's the reality. The message that is being conveyed into the earth today is that things are going to shift. Shift happens. But God's grace and the love of God prevails. Hear me. Hate will not win. I read the end of the book. And we win. We win. We win. You and I are living in a time and a day that God is doing some powerful things. And please hear me. Don't you dare sit back. And be, watch me, apathetic and casual and trying to fit in and be accepted. Jesus said, they hated me, they'll hate you. So we don't teach that anymore. You want everybody to like you. You don't even like you. Things are changing and shifting. But be sure you hold to the anchor of Jesus Christ. When the wind blows, the storms come. Be found standing. When the smoke clears, be found obedient and yielded to the things of God. Come on. I need some, you know, come on, some Arnold Schwarzenegger saints. I'll be back. I need some Clint Eastwood saints. After you get shot, you sitting there and you don't die quick. Sit there (coughs) and keep doing what you're called to do. Stay obedient to the things of God. Stay open to God's heart in your life. Again, God is up to something. Number two, never allow skepticism and doubt to malign our spiritual sensitivity. Hear these words again. Don't allow skepticism. Don't allow skepticism. Criticism. Any of those things to dull your spiritual sensitivity. I told someone the other day, you cannot make me hate you. You can't do it. And they were doing their best. They were trying to argue me down on something. Da, 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 I said, you can't make me hate you. You can't. I love you. In fact, I I shared with them, I said, and God loves you just the way you 
are, but loves you too much to leave you as you are. See, that's the part we forget. We want to tell people, God loves you just the way you are. He does. But how do you know he loves you too much to not want to cause you to grow in him, to learn of him, to know his voice, to know his compassion, to know his care? Never allow skepticism and doubt to to malign your spiritual sensitivity. Let me give an example. So I go to the barbershop every Friday, get my hair cut. You can tell, like my fade, every, every Friday. Go to the same barbershop right there in Oak Park, same barber, 15 years. There's a lady there named Lady V. I don't know what the V stands for. I've always called her Lady V, so everybody calls her Lady V. Wonderful barber. She's one of six barbers in the shop. She's the only female, only woman barber there. The girl, can I talk like this? She cuts some bad hair. You understand? That means good, y'all. For you. That's the interpretation. Of it. She cuts some bad hair, you know. So she's sitting there, and she had a baby three years ago. This baby that she had, she wasn't married, so the baby was not born in wedlock. She had the baby and wasn't married. The church that she's a part of did not embrace her. They kind of kicked her to the curb a little bit. Yes, she messed up, but they kind of kicked her to the curb a little bit. But the thing about it that impresses me, she keeps on doing what she does. She goes to work every day. She cuts hair from sunup to sundown to get money to raise her boy. He's three years old. He's got a prophet's name. His name is Malachi. I saw Malachi in the shop the other day. This is about two weeks ago. So I'm in the shop. And the reason why I wanted to see him is because there are times, listen, there are times about every other week or so, about every other week, I will reach in my pocket after paying for my haircut and I'll go over to Lady V's chair and I'll pull out a $10 or $20 bill and I'll stick it, just ball it up and kind of roll it in her hand and I'll say, here, uh, Lady V, take this and go get my little nephew some Lucky Charms. And she'll kiss me on the side of my face and she'll say, thank you, Bishop, thank you. And I'll turn around and just, and I don't make a big show of it. The only reason, in fact, I would not even dare mention it uh, publicly, not for sense of uh, uh, trying to display or show myself to be something that I'm not or that I think I'm more than I am. I, I don't share that with you all to, to, to put that on display. I share that with you with hopes that you would be sensitive to someone that is around you such as a single mom or single dad or someone that's going through a divorce and that you would be sensitive, sensitive enough to not just run out of here and hit the restaurant and feed your four and not want to reach into your own purse and know that there's somebody, a, a senior that's sitting around you that you can be a blessing to just by rolling up that $10 and putting it in their hand and not making a show of it. You don't have to let everybody know, I'm getting ready to go bless Sister Brown over here. You don't have to do that. But just stay sensitive to the Spirit of God. The people around you. See? Isn't it amazing? And there's nothing wrong with it. Please hear my heart. There is nothing wrong with it. I do it myself. But there are people who will support the babies in Africa before they'll support the person that's sitting behind you. So I'm sitting there. I see Malachi in the shop. Malachi's looking, he's sitting at a high table, one of these high tables in a chair, and he's looking at cartoons on a little screen. And I go over to him and say, what are you watching, Malachi? He says, 
Little Mermaid. I go over to him and I look and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is great. Here's my opportunity. I don't get a chance to see my little nephew this often and so my little play nephew. So I'm going to pull the chair that's right next to his chair. I'm going to pull that chair and it was right kind of tucked into the table next to his chair. I said, let me pull this chair out and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to talk and get close, (laughs) close to Malachi. And I'm all up in his face. And I'm like, now he was fine as long as I was on the other side of the room. But when I got close to him, all of a sudden his whole countenance changed. All of a sudden he began to frown at me. He had his arms folded. He looked mad. He looked angry. And I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with him? So I just kept talking to him. And I said, uh, uh, Malachi, uh, do you like Little Mermaid? How school? Do you like preschool? Do, what, do you, what is your favorite food? And he's not talking. He clams up and he's angry. Now, all of a sudden, my attitude towards my little play nephew tripped. Shift happened. <laughs> I sat there and I didn't say it to him. The child's only three years old. I didn't say it to him, but I thought it in my mind. It played itself out in my mind as I looked at him. I said to myself, I said, I don't know how your mama is raising you, but you're going to turn out as a miserable excuse of an individual if you don't get your little nasty attitude together. I didn't say it, but I thought it. I I did, I did. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, I had realized that my chair was kind of bumpy. I didn't know what was going on with my chair. And so all of a sudden, I looked and I stood up five minutes later, and I looked, and there was this leg that was across the chair and had his foot on the chair wrapped up in a cast, later to find out that his mama said he had broke his toe while he was playing ball in the house. And why he was frowning at me is because I was sitting my big behind on his foot. (laughs) On his broken toe. That's why he was resisting and reacting because I got too close to his brokenness. Y'all going to get it in a minute. There are people around us, around you, who will react, who will resist, who will get upset, who will get angry because you dare to get close to brokenness. Because brokenness identifies with brokenness. We who are broken, we realize I got to get close to you because what you're dealing with, where you're hurting, is not far from where I'm hurting my own self. Brokenness identifies with brokenness. But here's the key. Here's the key. Do not become the skeptic. Do not become so, watch this, so uh, uh, reactionary to any area of pushback that is coming towards you, you continue to love the way God has called us to love. Because the reality is, the shift that's about to happen is the judgment that will come. And the judgment that will come will be the rock 
that will place itself in the midst of the people that will have to make a decision. And there'll be some whom the rock will fall upon, and there'll be others who will fall upon the rock. I'd rather fall upon the rock and be broken than have the rock fall upon me and be crushed. I want to know who Jesus is. I don't want to know about your religion. I don't want to know about your ideology. I don't want to know about what you feel about it. I don't know what you I don't want to know what you think about it. I want to know the person of Jesus Christ. So number one, God is presenting himself in the most powerful ways. Number two, never allow skepticism and doubt to malign your spiritual sensitivity. And lastly, number three, stay postured to serve and positioned to make a difference. Keep the servant's heart. This ain't the time for you to sit back and say, Oh, well, it's just going to hell. Really? <laughs> really? That's, that's your take on it. That's the, whole, that's, the, that's the only observation. That's your takeaway. Oh, well, it's just going to hell in a handbasket. Really? <laughs> really? Could it be that this is the greatest opportunity for the love of God to prevail and the church to be the church? And despite whatever pushback the church receives, our heart is to declare the whole counsel of God's word. The whole counsel. This ain't smorgabob. This ain't hometown buffet. Come on, this ain't golden corral. I'll have some of this. I'll take some of this. I don't like that. I don't want this. I want everything God has for me. I want everything God has for me. Everything that the Father has for me. Yesterday, they buried the woman who was the librarian in Charleston that was killed in that Bible study. Her name was Cynthia Graham Hurd. All of the stories, by the way, if you go back, Google it and listen and read about the lives of those individuals, it'll bless your heart. Some beautiful people, all walks of life. Beautiful people. You, you got to go. They're not just faces. You got to go back and hear their story. But Cynthia Graham Hurd has on her emails that she would send out on the bottom of each email these words by J.M. Barry. Every email she would send out over the last five years. Be kinder than necessary because everyone you meet is fighting some type of battle. Be kinder than necessary because everyone you meet is fighting some type of battle. This ain't the time to draw back and get religious. Those of you that have relationship with Jesus Christ, draw close to him and draw close to others and be the hands of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus, the arms of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, and declare his love, declare his transformational power, and God will use you like you've never been used before. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to pray with you. Now, Y'all did just like we did last night. I say that here. I'm finding out something about you Bridgeway folks. You have cues over here. 
Let's pray together. <laughs> and for some of you, that's a posture of let's pray because I really want to just reflect upon what I've received. And for others of you, it's like, whew, all right, it's time to go. <laughs> so I'm going to have you pray a different way because I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to be like the first son in the parable. It says, God, I heard your words in my life, and I have not always just immediately stepped out to do it. But now there's a change of heart, a change of mind. I'll follow you. I'll go into the vineyard. Uh, for, for some of you, I want you to be like the, like the ones who, again, were the tenants. But now you're receiving the owner and his son. You may have killed the messengers. But you're saying, I want to just open my heart because, God, you want to do something in me. And as we stand to our feet, let's stand together. I want dozens of you, dozens of you that say, Bishop, will you pray with me that I'll be that first son? I want to be the one who moves away from being just skeptics or judgmental or critical or whatever, any of those things. I just want to guard my heart from that. Come to the front here. Come with me here, and I'll pray with you. Come, let's pray together. Come, just pray with me. Come, wherever you are. Hallelujah. I want to just be a servant of God. I just want to love God. I want to love His people. I, I don't want to compromise and just merely carry water to the ocean. I want to take water to the desert where people need to know the heart of God. They need the voice of God. They need the love of God. Lift those hands as you stand. Come on. Not this, everybody. Not, not out of a sign of religion. Others of you, you can come. Come. Not out of a sign of religion, but out of yielding. I just want to be your daughter. I just want to be your son. I just want to do what you've called me to do. I just want to be obedient to you, Lord God, in every area of my life. Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart, in my heart. Lord, I want to be like Jesus in my heart. Lord, I want to be more loving in my heart, in my To be more loving.
in my heart, Lord, I want to be Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be made whole, be healed, be set free, be delivered, beloved. Be free to be the sons and daughters of God and declare the kingdom, declare the kingdom of the living God. The world will not love you, but God will use you to love the world. You will bless the people immeasurably. Every place you put your hand, it will be the hand of Jesus. Every conversation you have, it will be the voice of Jesus speaking through you. And the people will know their God. And they will respond. Just as the Lord has walked with you, he will walk with them. So we decree it, we declare it, and so it is. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Give the Lord a high praise. Give him a high praise. Can you praise him? Come on and help me praise him. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice and praise him. Bless the Lord. Bless Him. Hallelujah. All right. They got them doors open. You got a whole world to reach. Go for it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Prayer counselors are here in the front. Please make your way up here for prayer to know more about serving Jesus. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. In the name of the Lord.